Springfields, issue 31. We have such sights to show Hey guys, welcome to Minefields. My name's Joshua Michael, my best friend Colin, but you know that. How you doing, brother? Oh yeah, baby. I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, I'm really excited about everything we've compiled to talk about this uh, this particular episode. Issue number 31. Uh, we've been doing this since February. We're kicking ass. So yeah, we've got 31 comic episodes. I think we almost got 59 uh, total. We've done that many podcasts this year. This is... A lifestyle now. <laughs> we were talking. To, <laughs> it is, uh, man. We were talking earlier about like how many, like theoretically, how many comics we've we've read, and it was an ungodly amount. And it's it's such a nice way for us to like always stay in the loop and check the news and that sort of thing. And uh, I, I I I dig it that my buddies uh, come to me as a uh, a resource. Um, it's it's nice, and I. It's it's very humbling. Uh, we've 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 done pretty good so far in Colorado and Oklahoma. We're spanning out in a lot of different states, and it's nice seeing on SoundCloud what states are downloading us, and it's cool. But yeah, thank you guys. We're just man, you gotta share that stuff with me. I have not seen those analytics yet. We are very That's awesome. We are very appreciative of UMFers. <laughs> I can't remember when we decided it'd be funny to call everybody MFers. You're the one that did that. Just one of those things that was just really obvious that we would do that, but. Remember, initially I kept saying, like, oh, our subscribers and listeners, because I was always thinking about the peace-loving peasants and workers of the Soviet <laughs> Union or some junk. Man! <laughs> what? <laughs> Man! <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, man. Right. Man. Um, How's your week? Dude, uh, my week? My week was good. Um, I did that Civil War documentary last weekend. It took me a while to recover from that because it just... A lot of being on all the time, and um, did you give yourself dysentery for uh, <laughs> uh, for acting reasons? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no. Uh, but uh, yeah, I keep. I, I got a hardtack recipe, so I want to make hardtack, and people keep telling me, "Dude, you don't want to eat hardtack. That's stupid." And I'm like, "I got to give it a shot. I gotta. I gotta do it. Hardtack." That's something that uh, Civil War soldiers and Revolutionary War soldiers soldiers ate. It's basically an incredibly difficult to chew. It's almost you know stone hard uh, cracker. I didn't would soak for a while. I didn't know about what that was until we went to that museum in New Orleans, which, by the way, was incorrectly named as the Civil War Museum when it should have been the Museum for the War of Northern Aggression. Like that was nuts. That was the that was the museum of the Confederacy. That's what it's called. Yeah, it yeah. Was it, in fact, the museum of the Confederacy. Dude, do you remember the uh, the weird link to uh, GI Joe there? Uh. Uh-uh. The uh, they I think you guys took off, uh, and I got into a heavy conversation with the guy that was running things there. I can't remember his name, but he was really great. Um, 
because uh, we were we were dissing the fact that like nobody really pays attention to the Civil War west of the Mississippi River, and uh, everybody wants to talk about the same guys. Uh, and I was like, yeah, but I want to talk about George Thomas and Patrick Claiborne and the guy like almost put his hand on his heart and was like, thank you, thank you. It's like you, it's like you walked in here and asked somebody what you should talk to me about. <laughs> I was like, this is great. So That's uh, awesome. we were, we, we got into that and then downstairs they had, um, they had uniform components for sale. And I was like, oh, that's cool. What's, what's up with this? And they said, yeah, well, G.I. Joe wanted to film in here, one of the movies, wanted to film in here. And they, they, uh, we said, I mean, I'm sorry, we just can't let you do that. And so they recreated some kind of Civil War museum in the movie. And then uh, at, after the, and so they had costumes or they had um, uniforms that they put on mannequins or something that they made out of wool. And they were gorgeous. And uh, because they were in perfect condition and they were, uh, you know, accurate. And then they said when the show was over, they they asked the uh, museum if they wanted them to sell or something. And they were like, yeah, why not? So I ended up getting away with some uh, nice wool trousers. Very excited about it. Did he did he give you that uh, look once you're brown fin? Oh, once Wait, did he give you that? Did he give you that look once your brown friend left the uh, building? He's like, uh, now we can talk. It's not <laughs> like that. Come on. <laughs> I'm just no. teasing. I'm just teasing. He gave me a look because your hair was so, uh, <laughs> you're so, so punk out. <laughs> Stupid. You're so edgy and metal. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about, I had a great segue for this, but I, I forgot it. Uh, <laughs> M- Monday Night Raw is supposedly... So good right now, and my buddy I Tom, saw a, f- a flash of it. Yeah, <laughs> my buddy Tom mm-hmm. is like, you know, Tom. He's he's helped us out on the podcast a lot. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, it shouldn't be this good. And I'm like, dude, this is exactly what happens when you've been abused by your boyfriend or girlfriend, and the 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 <laughs> best thing in the world comes along is like, hey, you know, I'll treat you right, and then it's like. Oh man, I'm I'm really about to lose out here. This one's this one's really about to jump ship, and they start pulling out all the stops. But it's still going to be Monday Night Raw. Oh yeah, Hulk Hogan's going to be there. We brought back Pyro. Uh, the Rock is going to be I, on. I saw Ric Flair. Yeah, the Ric Flair was The Rock is going to be on 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 Friday. Yeah, the Rock is going to be on Friday. But where's he going to be next Friday? And the next Friday after that, not there. <laughs> Good point. Not there. You can fucking. Throw all this flashy stuff and all this attitude or stuff in my face. You 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 somehow magically convince Stone Cold Steve Austin to say, "Yeah, it's possible I could do another match," but Stone Cold ain't gonna be wrestling all the time, and he's probably never gonna wrestle again. If they, I don't uh, like, it is a terrible idea to convince that guy to go back in the ring. And um, but AEW is gonna have Jungle Boy fighting his ass off uh, on the shoulder, Dude, yeah, on the on the shoulders of Luchasaurus. Um, we're going to have Cody. Um, it's, it's so many great things and they're not promising us anything other than change and that they're trying to, I don't want to say cater to us, but they're trying to put out a product that's relevant that we, what we want instead of being told what we want. And the ex-boyfriend and ex-girlfriend is gonna, sorry, we're done. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're done. We'll still watch the movie. Yeah, it's it's still gonna happen, but 
I, I can't. Oh, I'd still go watch live wrestling. Oh, I'd still watch it, it on TV, man. Don't I, don't care what, I, just, I don't care who the promotion is. I, I'm going to go check out some live wrestling if I know it's coming up. If there's live I'm wrestling very, anywhere. I'm very disappointed that uh, the uh, Compound Pro Wrestling in Tulsa show that I was going to go check out some weeks ago, some months ago at this point, did not. Like, it just fell through somehow. Something happened wherein their press statement said that they're... Oh, uh, the the state changed a bunch of rules, making it uh, more or less illegal or uh, unauthorized for a bunch of their wrestlers to perform in the state of Oklahoma. And so then they tried to do another another like just a meet and greet event, and that that fell apart. It was a unfortunate, an unfortunate set of circumstances. That just I'm, I'm waiting for the next show. I keep checking their website, not seeing anything coming up. I got to go down to OKC to check out that stuff going on at uh, Plaza Mayor, as it was, as it is called now. It was Crossroads Mall. I, 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 I hope I hope you're right, man, because like I'm glad you're giving it the benefit of the doubt, the doubt that uh, yeah, some shit happened that made it impossible for them to perform. But all I smell is bad booking. I smell uh, people causing drama. I smell. Yep. Uh, well, actually, what yeah. do you want? What are you going to do? Uh, you're going to pay your wrestlers. Uh, put out a consistent product. Um, you're not going to be doing drugs behind the scenes and fucking your friends. The, because uh, nowadays, uh, they don't need you. They can find somewhere else to go. And they're coming. You know where they're coming? Colorado. They're coming to Colorado. That's, they're, they're, that's the hard thing, man. I mean, like, when we talk about what people are getting paid to perform and then think about what, how long they're driving and all of that stuff. Yeah. That's just intense. That they want, that it, they want it that bad. They want it that bad, and they know the product, and the crowd here in Colorado is just building. Uh, you People in Utah coming to here, uh, people in Arizona, um, and vice versa. And they're are free- the fans coming? Yes. Fans are coming, From too. From Utah and Arizona? Yes, they are. Fans oh. are coming with them, and it's it's becoming a, a really good thing. <laughs> and, and bless them all. I wish them all, uh, even the... Uh, organizations that I might not be the biggest fan of, I still want them to succeed. I still want them to succeed. I want everybody to succeed. Yeah, I really want to. I don't, you know, I want WWE most successful, but still, and I want to see them succeed. I just want their business model to change to accept the fact that there are other companies out there. Maybe they can be very. Maybe they. Maybe they can be teammates one day. You know, maybe there can be. You never know. Come to Disneyland. Cross promotional events would be amazing. Agreed. Come to Disneyland. Okay, we admit it. We're Disneyland now. Okay, that's fine. But come to Disneyland. Have yeah. some fun. Have some fun. We're not going to be like, oh, if you're here, then you can't be there. And like, oh, you can't do a show over there for eight months. And like, oh, no, 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 no. Just no. what's best for business is what's best for business. And what's best for business is more wrestling. Dude, for real, more content. Always. Content is king. That's what I say. More content. You might be a niche, uh, a niche, um, uh, spectacle, Dude, but, you're, but you're still anything, in, you're that still is what we are. <laughs> yeah, but you're still in exactly. Uh, what uh, one of my buddies on uh, uh, that I, I didn't really know was a friend of mine on Instagram today. Um, I posted a picture of my favorite comic book for this week, and he's like, "Is this really good?" And I'm like, "Dude, this is superior." And he's like, "I'll check it out." And I went through his Facebook. I'm sorry, MySpace. No. Instagram, <laughs> and uh, he posted he, 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 he posted a uh, photo a couple weeks ago of reading uh, Alex and Ada. Uh, uh, it wasn't a Luna Brothers production. It was I think it was Joshua Luna, 
one of the Luna Brothers that did uh, the Luna Brothers did the girls oh, okay. uh, Ultra uh-huh. um, the sword and I was like hey good choice check out the sword and he's like great and I went wait the sword that's the recent one right uh, the sword was the most recent one yes okay because I suddenly thought like wasn't that a cross chin book but I could be completely wrong no no it was image and it, after the sword is when the the brothers kind of they didn't split up they just kind of were doing their own projects and um sure they were doing their own project like check out the sword it's I, I I even had to stop and think for like five minutes what do I recommend to this guy and I'm like, okay the sword the sword is the one I, I would get into uh, but uh, <laughs> then he a couple photos down him and his wife were posting pictures of them in their WWE action figures. I'm like, you guys like wrestling too? Man, I know a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's we're a little bit of niche, but we're having a lot of fun, and we've got a lot of loyal I don't listeners. think we're that niche. I, seriously, we talk about so many things. It's not all just comics and wrestling. Mm-hmm. Multiple conversations about music, albums that have come out, uh, Novels, definitely movies, done reviews. I mean, yeah, sometimes they were comic book movies, but uh, I still have to long box about the right stuff. Oh, yeah. which they're doing a TV series of now. I have a friend who is a uh, is uh, working her way into the stunt woman game, and uh, she went down there and did some did some work on that in Florida. <clears throat> but if people knew my love of White Claw. Mm. I was going to say, you opened a White Claw, and I'm still drinking um, blackberry-flavored sparkling water. That's what I've Yeah, the, the, the best thing about the White Claw can is it's conveniently shaped to fit right up your ass, before or after you drink it. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, All right, man. Sp- speaking of shoving <laughs> alcohol up your ass, that was one of my favorite things in the, oh, first, chugging. the, the, the first issue of Fell was uh, he solves a, uh, a crime. Like, he's moving into his new apartment, and the next-door neighbor's dad dies. And he looks in the room, and uh, the, he sees Enema stuff and a bunch of empty bottles. And he eventually realizes right. that the, the guy was murdered because he couldn't drink alcohol, but he could damn well sure shove it up his ass. And uh, his okay. his wife got tired of doing it, and then rather than giving him vodka one night, she gave him a bottle, an ass, full, a literal ass full of Everclear. <laughs> and uh, it, it, oh, it that was, is murder anybody. Yep, an ass full of Everclear. Anyway, uh, tell me your oh, list, oh, man. The, man, yeah, okay. Uh, let's see. This is I an exciting list. So, yeah, okay. We'll start with the stuff that makes sense. Uh, Fight Club Three, number nine. Um, Thanos number six. We you know we have definitely talked Thanos and Fight Club to death. Uh, I, I grabbed the Rick and Morty again, and um, nice. still I still go in like Oni Press. Wow, nope. way to go, guys! Way to way to way to way to grab that. Uh, and then okay, so I went to a comic book store this week that uh, is has very odd hours. I would say, and um, when I find, oh, they're open. Look at all those cars out front. I went in and I checked it out. As soon as I got in there, I was like, "This is not a normal comic book store." And uh, are we? we I'll I'll tell that whole story later. But the point I'm making is that I came away with a fat stack of dollar comics. I got uh, (laughs) all right. 
This makes sense for most people. I found a dollar iteration of Who's Who in Star Trek number two. Uh, it's a DC book from 1987. I found, nice. I found uh, a Topps comic, Exo Squad, issue zero. Nice. And uh, there's some exciting stuff to talk about in that. I, got, I came away with a giant, giant handful of uh, Rom comics. Oh, that's awesome! Rom the space, Rom the space knight. I've been, I've, I've had my my comics uh, business owners pushing Rom on me for years because I'm a cosmic fan. <coughs> Excuse me, and I've never bitten. But having this much Rom for that little money, I was like, let's do it. And then because. I because these were all, if this had just been one issue, I might not have picked it up. But there was also a a handful of Dark Shadows comics, very, very based nice. on the 1991 TV series that I adored. Yeah, I used to and watch that, that with I've been my mom. rewatching lately. Sorry, yeah. I used to watch that with my yeah. mom. Ah, yeah, I got it on DVD in like 2008, and uh, I only threw it in the DVD player. This last month, and I am I'm slowly watching it before I go to sleep at night, and I'm getting close to being done with it, which is unfortunate because I could have taken years more of that show. Uh, this is an innovation book, and so when we get in there, I want to talk about that company. Can you do me a favor yeah, next time you go in there? Um, yeah. Ask them if they've got a box of Chaos Comics no one wants because I need to find good homes for them, my home. And also okay. uh, another brand of <coughs> comics that was just instrumental in my upbringing was now comic books. They did the real Ghostbusters. The um, oh yeah, they did. Uh, what else did they do? The Married with Children ones. Oh, I have to have them all. Married with Children, right? Oh, the, the Married with Children ones okay. are great, especially if they've got the Kelly Bundy issues that, like Kelly Bundy number one, that has a. Uh, an actual poster of Kelly Bundy inside of it. I have to have that. <laughs> I have to have that. Um, yeah. Uh, what else you got, man? Is that is that your is that your full list? That's my list right now. It was. Uh, I was very unenthused by uh, the materials I saw coming out this week. So you know, I felt there like was supplementing everything with some qualified older books. There was some dog shit that came out this week, but there was some that if you look deep enough, uh, I'm not saying you didn't. But uh, my tastes are a little bit different than yours. Um, I want to ship. I'm, I'm not going to say I didn't realize X books came out. Oh, uh, it, it, I want to sit down and read those suckers back to back. We've back. we've talked about them enough. If you if you're not reading X Men, uh, Powers of X and House of X, uh, you're fucking up. That's all we got to say. Just we've told you enough about it, uh, dude. <laughs> the Superior Su- Spider Man number eleven was just oh, so damn. disappointing, man. It was. The epitome of I feel so bad for the guys writing and drawing this comic book because they just they 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 effectively had the kibosh put on them even because their story wasn't going. I don't know if their their story was going somewhere and they decided the the, the powers that be said no you're done here. Um, there's oh no there's, really yeah close to cancellation. Oh, it's over. Yeah, one more and it's done. Oh man, um, say it was eleven, so it's a twelve issue a twelve issue book. I don't think they planned at 12, man. Like, they were going... It was so hot at first. Remember how much fun we had? <clears throat> I know. I really liked that, uh, the one we... What was it? It was, it was one we read recently. The first three. I don't remember what it is, but... Yeah? Uh-huh. 
Um, awesome see, to the think new that, that Aven- character's still running around. Yep. Sorry? Uh, Avengers number 24 um, versus mm-hmm. Cosmic Ghost Rider. Uh, what else do I want to talk Automatically about? Automatically hate it. An image comic book, which was very interesting. Uh, Safe Sex number one. Oh, man. I did look at that. Oh, dude. That one was that one was something else. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 98. What else? Uh, I did read Fight Club. The newest Fight Club number nine. What else? What else am I picking out of this stack here? Harleen number one. Oh, yeah, right. That one. Hmm. That was save it. yeah. We'll save it. We'll, we'll save it. Um, I do want to get straight into Superior Spider-Man number eleven. Let's, All right, let's pull up the credits here. Great cover. Uh, Christos Gage, writer. Mike Hawthorne, penciler. Wade Vaughn, Graw Badger, inker. Jordy Belair, colorist. Graw Badger. Graw Badger. Yep. G R A W B A D G E R, inker. BC's Peyton Cowles, letter. Peyton Cowles. Mike Hawthorne and uh, Maury Hollowell as cover artists. So, big old battle happened. Uh, most of Spidey's, uh, well, Otto as Spidey, different Spidey, his buddies are hurt, and he's got to figure out how to make things better. And knock down drag out with a few of the leftover baddies from the last uh, battle. And he is struggling with the fact that this is pretty much all his fault. And poof, who comes out of nowhere to fix things and erase things? Mephisto. Oh, how much? No fun. way. Yeah. No way. Great. And, and, and okay. Anna Marie is like, don't do it. Don't do it. And he's like, yeah, come on, man. You know, I can, I can make you auto again. Like, you can, we can, we can really take care of things. And she's begging him. She's crying. Don't do it. Don't do it. And Mephisto's like, hey, we have a bargain? Because I ask again and I'm done. I'm out of here. And the bad guys that are about to peace out because Norman Norman Osborn is faking being a spider and makes no sense right now because that completely conflicts with what's going on in Absolute Carnage that Norman is one of the Carnage's little underlings there. And... Out of the, the 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 henchmen of Norman, and they're they're packing their things, getting their money in a suitcase, and the ceiling collapse, and here comes Otto Octavius, just like the uh, old school. Remember that original Otto action figure from back in the early nineties, the early Toys ones, with the suction cups on Toy the ends. Yeah, the Toys ones where he's in the he's in the fat guy in a <laughs> in tights in a. In a, in a onesie in, in green and give me Norman Osborn or die. Okay, then it ends. Um, uh, bless you guys for putting so much hard work into this comic book. It is not, uh, it has not gone unnoticed. And I, I'm going to go ahead and go on a limb and assume that someone fucked with your story when you were doing something really kick-ass and I really wish the best for you and hope that no matter what happens, you're going to find some better work on some better comic books and get to really finish a story that you wanted to tell because I really feel that there was too many cooks in the kitchen in this one, especially when all of a sudden 
pay overrides you and Norman is in the biggest story of the year, arguably, in Marvel. And it's not even the summer. And that's really all I got to say about it. The next issue is the last one, and he's out of the hot hot Playboy body. He's back in Otto's, <laughs> Otto's body, and we don't know what he bargained for or with. And I... I I just feel the disappointment in Anna Marie, and that's that's it. That's all I got to say about that. Wow, man, che- che- that's disappointing. Cheer me up on this, man. Give me some dark shadows. <laughs> we'll go straight into the awesome stuff. Straight. Okay, so innovation comics have never, in my opinion, been. I, it was not a good. I don't know. It was not a good company. They didn't have the talent. I just that the the art was. Okay, this is me dissing on something that I can't say that I've got a tremendous amount of attention spent. But I pick up Quantum Leap comics and I'm going, I can't tell that that's supposed to be, you know, Sam Beckett. Or I can't tell that that's supposed to be anybody. Like, I don't even know what I'm looking at. I mean, yeah, this, maybe it's a different artist. The art, 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 the art on this book is completely different. I'm just going to say my experience with innovation books was lazy art, rushed storytelling, crappy stories to begin with. Uh, and I'm not giving them enough credit because how can you fit an hour's worth of television, what it would be, into, you know, what, 20, 26 pages or something? Right. Well, they proved me the fuck wrong. Hell because, yeah. Uh, yeah, I am pleasantly surprised. I picked up, what, one, two, three, four, five, six different books here, and there are, and they're spread out, because it's like, okay, here's issue one of book one, and the cover is sterling, silver, beautiful, just gorgeous. Uh, are, are we talking, like, gimmicky 90s cover? Sorry, what, the what 90s cover? Are we talking, like, gimmicky 90s cover, where it glows in the dark, and it's made out of chromium? No. No, I'm just saying, like, this is, the, the quality is outrageously good. Uh, it is, I dare say it's painted. And, uh, no, it's not, it's not a gimmick cover. It's not like a, hey, getcha cover. It's, the, the, whole, the whole point of this comic is that it's predicated on the hype surrounding Dark Shadows. It was the 20, okay, so, does any, I'm going to say this. Raise your hand if you know what Dark Shadows is, right? Right here. Okay, so Dark Shadows, for those of you that don't know, was a 60s-era soap opera that ran from something like 1966 to 1973. Let's see. Ooh, spanning two uh, decades. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, Simpsons quote of the week. Sure. So, um, and this was about, this was mainly about the events surrounding a manor house in Collinsport, Maine, at the house call, the mansion called Collinwood. And um, it, it was about a governess who is trying to figure out who she is, and she's, got, she's going to take this job and look after this kid, and it's just eerie and full of strange gothic excitement. But then the show really took off a couple of seasons in when they introduced the quintessential vampire character Barnabas Collins who has awoken from 
his 200-year slumber and is struggling to find a way to find his humanity because the governess is probably the reincarnation of his lost love. That sounds like every vampire story I've ever heard. Why not? But we didn't get it in high-quality television. Now, it was crap awesome live quality in the 60s, and it made, uh, oh, what's his name, Ben Freed? No, I'm not sure if that's the right name. The guy that played Barnabas, household name, just blew everybody's minds. The show was so popular. And uh, so it was the 25th anniversary of the series in 1990-91 season. And what I get, okay, so now on to the comic. You open the comic, and the first, like, inside cover talks about how important Dark Shadows was to people and why innovation as a company is so excited to get the opportunity to work on this license. You really get an honest perspective, an honest feeling from these folks that they've never been more excited to work on something and they want to devote every ounce of their energy to it, and they That's what I'm talking about Uh, right there. The first page is a glorious, photorealistic depiction of uh, Joanna Going, who played um, Victoria Winters on the series, and then you go into exactly what you would hope to exp- see. Every Think of Twin Peaks. You know what Twin Peaks opening credits look like. Right. Uh, Garbage. The opening credits to this series were little, free, were little frames of all the actors, but it always started on these crashing waves against this cliffside and this eerie, eerie music. Uh, so if you're into gothic horror, if you're into vampires, if you're into um, serial stories ensemble cast this is your show i highly recommend finding this on dvd and if you can find these comics you if you love it go out and find these comics because these are delicious i got to read the first two so far and i'm very very enthused ben cross played uh barnabas collins in this tv series in the depictions of every actor especially ben especially um the doctor, uh, oh god, I can't suddenly remember anybody's names. Um, the depiction of uh, Willie Willie Lomax. All of these characters are spot on. I've never seen outside of those Star Wars comics we've been reading, where you know there's some digital work going on. This is definitely freehand drawing, freehand painting, or pencil work. It's just, it's just incredible. It just looks so damn good. How does the story? And then read? they're like, the story is wonderful. The pacing is excellent. The like the characterizations of all all of them are exactly exactly what they need to be. Uh, when you watch the series, you've got like I say, you've got all these characters. You've got Barnabas the vampire, Victoria the probably reincarnated person from 1790. You've got Elizabeth Stoddard, who is the grand old matriarch portrayed by Gene Simmons. Not from Kiss, Gene Simmons, the actress. Uh, you've got uh, Dr. Hoffman, who is trying to cure Barnabas of his vampirism. You've got uh, uh, you've got her sons. You've got Stoddard's sons and uh, all this, or and, and and her kids. I'm sorry, her this the daughter and the and the son and all that stuff. And then Joseph Gordon-Levitt played the little kid David in the series, and he was scary. He was a scary, shitty little boy. I've always loved that guy. Who, did all kinds of pranks until someone took him seriously. 
Yes, David, I have seen the ghost of your friend, Sarah. She's my only friend. She's a ghost. I know she's a ghost, but, like, you finally believe me. Yes, I believe you. And then it's like your relationship is solid. That shit is nuts, dude. I mean, like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt starting out in this series, it might not have been the first thing he was ever in, but this is pre-Third Rock from the Sun, everybody. Before he goes on and does, uh, you know, Don Juan and everything else. I mean, this is a little kid. And he had the acting chops. You could tell this guy was going all the way. Uh, I mean... I really appreciate so that guy. I've always loved him. I, yeah. I, I feel like an, every time I see him succeed, I've, I, I, it warms my heart. I feel like I'm an OG Joseph Gordon-Levitt fan. Because I really am. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, it's just like... All of the frames in here are well-crafted... Uh, it, this, this, this issue, the first issue in book one tells this, tells a story that happens like, Hey, okay. So by the way, this issue takes place between the third and fourth hour of the TV series. And you're like, Oh my God, this is like a whole other episode. This is fantastic. And the next one goes right into it where, uh, Dr. Hoffman is like telling us where she was from. She's in another, she's from another little town where they don't have cars and it's like a town out of time. But it's not the time travel aspect that happens later in the series. And um, she's like, Barnabas, I'm scared to go home. I need your help. I've been summoned, and we need to go there, and blah, blah, blah. And you've got powers, and I'm trying to help you get past that. But until then, uh, I need you uh, to be this powerful guy. And it's just, it's a fucking great soap opera. It's only one season long, unfortunately. And this is the thing that crushed me. I never realized this. Even when I watched it as a kid. Why did this show not take off? Why did it not stay and get renewed? It was constantly being preempted by football desert storm coverage. I remember that. I remember that. I remember that. Oh my God. I remember, I remember that happening. You're, you're goddamn right. It always was. I remember sitting down to watch that. That's one of my earliest memories of desert storm was we were, mom and I were about to watch that. And, Mm -hmm. And then the TV said no, and then we're watching Desert Storm. Yeah, it was like, okay, hey, Norman Schwarzkopf or Colin Powell is going to deliver a kick-ass press conference. And we were all like, oh, my God, I love these guys. And then it'd be like, okay, hey, we're taking you live to uh, something going on out there. Because Desert Shield went on and on and on for nine months. And then Desert Storm finally began, and the air war went on for a hundred days and bombed the shit out of the fifth largest army on the face of the earth. And by the end of that, they didn't want to fight. They didn't want to fight. We still had some tank battles. We still had some serious shit where Norman Schwarzkopf was really concerned. Like, okay, we're going to go, you know, Hey, we, if we go through the desert, they might nuke us out there. We don't even know. Do they have nukes? This isn't the age of the internet. It was the age of satellites, but we didn't have that kind of Intel saying whether or not we knew they had nukes at the time or chemical weapons, but we knew they'd used chemical weapons. So God help us. Norman Schwarzkopf doesn't want to, you know, like get us all blown up or get all these soldiers. So the news was like, no, we're on this. This is it. And like, I mean, so the old fan base of this series, and I'm not saying they were old. They were just, they were people who watched it in the sixties. We're not enough to keep this show going with all the preemptions. And then um, the comic book just, it's, it's like this blessing. 
I can't believe an innovation book came out this hard. So good. Anyway, that's as much as I want to tell everybody about that. Definitely find those DVDs. I don't think it's on Netflix. I don't think it's on streaming at all. It's a great watch. That reminds me of that time I found the Bram Stoker Dracula adaptation books at mm-hmm. Escape Velocity. And uh, Escape Velocity <laughs> here in Colorado Springs, uh, one of their specialties is they'll find groups of full-story comics individuals and then bundle them and then sell them to you at a discounted price. And I walked past their – it was October, and I walked past their little kiosk thing in, in the store because I worked downtown at the time. And uh, yeah. I, it's like $10, Bram Stoker Dracula, all wrapped up, and Tops, every single issue was still in the, the, the Tops um, poly bag, and each comic came with one of the Tops cards. But I look at the cover, and I'm like, that looks like Mike Mignola work. And I look in, <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, that's Mike Mignola work, and this belongs to me now. <laughs> this, this belongs to me. As long as we're on that subject, if you're talking about Bram Stoker's Dracula... A just heart-crushingly fantastic movie. If you're in the position to play the Bram Stoker's Dracula pinball game, it will not disappoint you. Oh, good point. There's a lot of gimmicks and tricks in that game. There are a lot of in-game, like, side games and stuff like that, and missed multi-ball. Oh, man, if you can lock it down that- and get that multi-ball... It's one of the only. It was one of the first games that had a tra- that I can recall that had a traveling magnet under the board, so you'd have a a pinball just f- hovering across the ta- the play surface, and you could you could knock it off the magnet, and then you'd have more chances to score. That freaking cool game. That episode you just accidentally wrote is going to be part of our Patreon paid when we start doing some paid <laughs> stuff. Um, we're gonna. When you come to Colorado next time, we're going to go to all uh-huh. the best places at pinball games and find the best ones and Dude. spend 10 bucks on each one, review the shit out of it. There's, there, there's the, the oh, place downtown. that's down a great t- idea. There's, I'd love to. There's a place downtown here in Colorado Springs where I spent my birthday party, and uh, they've, got the lethal oh. we- they've got the Lethal Weapon pinball. That's a good game. Uh, there's, the, there's the one in Denver that's got Adam's Family Ninja Ninja Turtles, uh, uh, hell, they even have the original Paperboy with the handlebars. Um, every, oh, wow. Yeah, we'll have to do it. Which Ninja Turtles, though? Oh, uh, Jesus, I don't remember. Okay, no big deal. Uh, Star Trek Next, Next Gen, that one's one of your favorites, too. Uh, oh, God, that's the, that's, that's, that's I, as I understand it, Star Wars, or Star Trek The Next Generation pinball is the second most beloved pinball game of all. That wide body, it is so good. So many in-game things, and all of the voice actors, all of the actors came back, including John Delancey Q, to do uh, to do voice work on there. That's awesome. It's just great. So be prepared. We're going to do a special Minefields uh, on our Patreon. I want to talk about the most exciting comic book I read this week. Oh, do it. This week. This one delivered hard. This one, um, guys, if you haven't been reading Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles since it started about, I want to say, like, uh, fuck, nine years ago, maybe maybe more, um, this is issue number, goddamn, my eyes have been crazy today, I need to get new glasses, number 98. 98, yeah. 98, this is War at C- City at War, part six, story by Kevin Eastman, Bobby Kernow, and Tom Waltz. Script by Tom Waltz, art by Michael uh, Dalionas, colors by Rhonda Patterson, letters by Sean Lee, editor Bobby Kernow. 
Okay, so what's been going on right now is that there's been a war between the Foot Clan and the remnants of the Shredders, remnants of the Foot Clan. Uh, one of the uh, Splinters, uh, Chunin, uh, was unfortunately uh, eviscerated uh, by the Shredders' former, ch- former Chunin. And in order to save her, Donnie had to... They basically had to break into Old Hobbs' lab, who's one of the mutanimals, and steal some retro-mutagen ooze and turn her into a turtle. And so she's alive. Old Hob is ready to start a big-ass war with the mutanimals who are under his employ or more friendship, but he's not letting them know what they really want to do. The government is involved with a cloning process where they've taken Slash uh, and cloned him and made uh, made the two clones, and they're basically living video game avatars that humans can plug into them and use their bodies as war machines. And the Turtles, they're pissed off because Splinter was just captured by the remnants of the Shredder's Foot Clan. April is the actual um, spin doctor for Baxter Stockman, who just won the New York City um. mayoral campaign. And his backup robots are robotic mutant flies. Foreshadowing. If you've seen that the makes sense. If you've seen the the, sh- the show, yep. And Raph <laughs> Raph is pissed because he wants to go find Splinter now. He, he does what he does. He storms off, and he ends up on the news fighting for the bad guys. And old Hob uh, tries to attack Baxter Stockman. He takes off, aided by his. Uh, Flying uh, mechanical flies, and Old Hob gets on the on the mic. Every camera in New York is on, and my name is Old Hob. I'm a mutant. What's a mutant? Good question. Where are the dirty little secret governments been keeping from you? The cops and the EDF, EPF, your slick new mayor, even. And you want a surprise? We're here to change everything. And he pulls out a bomb and throws it out into the crowd that immediately mutates everyone in the presence. <laughs> into mutagen? What's how did mut- that happen? Mutagen gas. Some people turn into like hideous globulous creations uh, into links into uh, it, like it just mutates everyone on live TV. While Splinter is in his cell uh, being captured. Uh, like I said, he was captured by the Shredder's Chunin, and he is uh, approached by the ghost, the spirit of his of his wife. Now, uh, for those that haven't been keeping up with this, basically the way they rewrote the Ninja Turtle um, history, it still kept it that April was uh, a scientist working for Baxter Stockman. Those were her turtles. But in this version, uh, the turtles there, they and the, Splinter, are the reincarnations of an actual family from feudal, feudal uh, Japan. And... Of course, uh, if there's a, a good, there's got to be a bad. So, of course, the uh, reincarnation of Shredder, Oroku Saki, shows up in the new Shredder. And awesome. the, the wife shows up and says, hey, your, our boys are hurting. And he tells her, he admits to her, he, he shows, he's been so strong and steadfast that I'm so tired, Shen. I'm so tired. I know, love. And what do I do? And she's like, you have to save them, all our children. And he's not really seeing the spirit of his dead wife. He's actually seeing the rat King manipulating his mind. And keep in mind, mutants exposed live television. 
biological attack. Uh, foreshadowing of Baxter Stockman turning into the fly. Uh, Splinter captured. Raphael, a part of the bad guys. Uh, the government having large tank-esque mutants that they're controlling the minds of and pretty much playing VR virtual like murder with them. And it was it was juicy. And we're leading up to issue 100. Um, issue number 50. I was going to say. Issue yeah. number, all the key number issues play off just the way they should. Uh, worth it. Issue number 50. Holy shit. Um, was Splinter that when cut, Donatello got... Uh, yeah. He, he, his, his shell, a couple issues before that, his shell had been crushed. They put him in his mm-hmm. consciousness into Machine Head. Um Splinter cut the head, like, clean the fuck off, cut the head off the shredder. And we're in the Tectodrome. Everything's being completely irradiated. I mean, this comic book delivers. And keep up. Uh, if And one of the best parts about this issue, uh, MFers, is that it gives you a six- or seven-page breakdown of the history of what the fuck has been going on since issue one. So buy it That's just awesome. for... Je- buy it just for that. The writers tell you what 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 the the breakdown, how it's going on. I liked that uh, at a certain point. I like you know I dig that like the interior cover, the first page of whatever book we happen to be reading generally has a little catch up paragraph in there. But uh, I like that most series that know that they have a pretty good fan base and a very specific fan base started doing a little, um, recap, especially in television. I loved when Battlestar had the, what the frack's been going on in Battlestar Galactica. That was clever. Fight Club? Fight Club. Fight Club 3, number nine? Number nine. How'd you feel? How do I feel? I still feel like I don't know what the hell's going on. I feel like I know, and I also don't know. Like, it just, it's frustrating that I feel alienated as a Fight Club fan in a way because at a certain point, it just feels like there's a little bit of shock value stuff going on. Uh, a lot. It, it almost eclipses it, eclipses it sometimes. Uh, yeah, naked orgy Chloe is, uh, fucking giving Stephen Hawkins a a lap dance, but you can't really see it's Kevin, uh, it's, it's Hawkins because there's that actual piece of popcorn in front of his face. Yeah. Dildos and loot everywhere. I just like, what the hell are we looking at from one page to the next? I mean, what's, who's the kid? Is that their kid? Yeah, that's, that's. Why is he talking to a penguin? Why wouldn't he be talking to a penguin? You know, Slide. I mean, I get that, like the spirit animal concept, but shouldn't the kid have his own spirit animal? Credits. The whole business, like, the... the is Marla... Okay, at a certain point we see that Marla is listed on the die-off Enterprises uh, tally sheet, and she's Correct. killed one person or something like Correct. that. Correct. But then the number just keeps going up and up and up and up and up. And it's like, well, what equates that? I don't, I, I don't, I mean, okay, are we seeing that she's 
like then is she the protagonist? Is she not the protagonist? Is she not a redeemable character? What is that? Why is that making? Why is that happening? Why is it? Why is it supposed to make any sense? It's, Nothing it's a, is being explained in this series, and it's still just kind of agonizing. It's a lot of psychosexual nonsense, isn't it? I don't know. I hope not. Uh, that, that's that's how I feel it. I, I the utilization of Chloe like that. Um, the the parallels he draws. The artwork is phenomenal, by the way. Uh, regardless, the artwork is very cool. Yeah. Regardless if you understand what's going on, but this is definitely something that needs to be studied. And I, if we still haven't had the patience or the wherewithal to restudy uh, Fight Club Two, but we're gonna have to do that. And this oh, I totally is, got Fight Club Two. This I just don't understand. Oh well, we didn't understand it until we read it three, four times. But this one is, or this one is a, a little bit heavier. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm worried. That when Bendis and Matt Fraction sat Polonic down at that dinner and convinced him to do a comic book and told him the rules of how to make a graphic novel, and when he decided to break all the rules, that he went a little too far. And uh, that, I'm not trying to sound like an old fuddy did or anything like that. I, I want you to push the envelope. But I feel like there's certain times where you go too far, where you bake the boundaries. And the vibration that you're functioning at simply isn't catching everyone else's vibration, like a Frank Zappa record or or listening to too much Ween back in the day. Um, it's it's <laughs> it's it's good, but uh, like I think it's good. I, I, are we sure it's good? Like I was told that this was a Polonic gig. Like uh, like you know what I'm saying? Where we're confused, where, where we show up at something that's supposed to be good, and then something else happens. And Grant Morrison gives us uh, a multiversity, and we're like, mm, uh, uh, I got some questions here, <laughs> like where you're raising your hand at, yeah, at the, exactly. the professor, the professor that uh, in college that uh, when you get to when you take the tour, and they're like, oh, you got to take this guy's class. He's the he's the best, and you're told he's the best, and you get there, and you're like, mm, uh, uh, got some got some I'm issues here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. Uh, and, and then at the same time, though, is he purposefully alienating his fans to make them question things even more? I mean, because like Fight Club is pretty base. If it now, if if in, in nowadays type standards, where you're questioning what you're worth, what you stand for, and who you're going to work with, and what sort of ends the means that you're going to go for, and now this is the the hypersexuality is. I don't know, man. Like it's one of those things, and uh, I'm, uh, we're gonna talk about one of my other favorite comics You're next. Making me come up with ideas now. What do you got? I mean, I mean, the hypersexuality. You know, the first book or the first the first book was about definitely mental issues, right? And transcendental issues, and finding a place. You know, the second book. That was about your legacy as a person. You know, you've got this kid coming into the world. You've got perfect way to you put get him, it. He gets kidnapped. You know, like it's it's like how do you preserve yourself? You do. That's the thing. Fight Club was not like we're not. We shouldn't be preserving anything except what we are at our most basic core. So the hypersexuality in this in this comic across the entire comic 
I think it's kind of a strange parallel. What you desire can definitely kill you. Everybody's infected with something in this. Correct. And they're getting it through the thing that they like the most. So, I don't know. I just... I'll end up reading the whole trade back to back at some point trying to trying to figure it out. I'm so like, why is there the calendar definitely in every issue on one page and what's up with the painting and all this other stuff. It's just, it's still sitting there. It's the same thing. It's like, I just, yeah, so far I get what I'm grasping at, but I know what you're saying about the professor just because, just because, you know, there's, there's been so many things I didn't like or so many people I didn't like until I met them. And so many people that I liked until I met them. Right. And it's the same kind of thing. It's this, I'm not going to like this just because it's Fight Club. I'm not going to like this just because it's Chuck. Right. And, and, and I'm but, not going to like it just because it's these characters. I don't like Star Wars anymore, and I liked Star Wars more than liked it my entire life, and people can ruin it. This and, one has you know, me and, on, and, uh, on the fence. Alienating your fan base, I've seen it done. Th- this one has Sorry. me on the fence. Like, like he's alienating us on purpose to make us that where we think we're we're being led to be alienated when in fact that's where he wants us to go as Fight Club fans, and then I'm even more confused. Um, well, only if this is supposed to be finished artwork, because if we as the viewers are the ones who have to finish it, then I could see that making sense. But that's me also grasping at very abstract straws. Now, uh, on the, on the uh, wavelength of hypersexuality, uh, my... Second choice of the week. This is not. This is my second favorite book of the of, of the week. It's called Safe Sex, pub, published <laughs> Safe by Sex. Image, uh, written and created by Tina Horn, drawn and colored by Michael Dowling, cover art by uh, Tula Lote, lettered by Steve Wands, edited and designed by Lauren McCubbin. Special thanks to Amido uh, Torturo. Now, uh, it starts out in a giant club called the Dirty Mind, a big giant neon sign, and it's just something that immediately turned me off because I was like, oh, great, another fucking fetishist trying to shove some shit down my throat, and everyone's fucking. It's very lurid. It starts out with a second page. Guy is fingering a girl while another girl's rubbing her tits, and and they're they're like, "Let let me read you just, I'm not trying to be lurid, but let me read you how this reads. Have you ever gotten off really hard in a room full of people? I have, lots of times. In fact, I can remember the last time, the last moment I fucked surrounded by my friends. My desire thumping to the four on the four blaze, base, bearing down hard on my boyfriend's hand, come gushing out of me, splattering all over the floor. And her friend that's rubbing her tits while she's getting off while he's fingering her, saying, you look so beautiful when you come, Avery. Everyone loves watching you. And she looks up and she sees her friend that's running this club called the Dirty Mind and immediately gets raided. And I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be lured uh, uh, MFers, but it gets raided by pretty much mind police that are they bust in like a SWAT team attention. This party is here to rescue from yourselves and her and her boyfriend. They make off and they get away. And it's three years later and they're they're doing it and they're doing it as hard as they can in their apartment. And he's got a he's working for the powers that be and he's got a like a a fitbit that says intercourse with wife dot and he's they just finished really hard and they're they're happy and he's telling her make sure you fill out the paperwork um they're in a society that is ruled by over christians 
that is demanding purity will set yourself free, and every sexual encounter needs to be documented and um, in a specific way. And he's working for the man. Oh, really? He's working for the man. He's been working it for a while. He's like, listen, it's going to be easier if you start filling out your, filling your paperwork right away. It'll build up your purity score, and it'll be easier for you the way I fill out my, my paperwork. And she leaves, accidentally leaves the paperwork on the counter on the way to work. And he goes to work. He's working for the man in the club that the, the comic started at three years beforehand is now the Pleasure Center, the former home of the Dirty Mind, which is now the government's place where they mandate sexual encounters. And you're hearing over the loudspeakers or the narration uh, the way uh, Orwell would, would describe the 80s and – we're we're doing so much better. Like children are being protected from sixty eight percent of children are happier now because they're being protected from uh, lurid information and uh, all this sexuality is what causes male uh, over masculinity and 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 uh, toxic masculinity because you're out you're out for just sex and these people are ju- and at first I thought oh great another fucking kink bullshit. Um, mm-hmm. But I bore through it. It's not. It really is okay. There's nothing wrong with kinks. And not that I was ever saying that there was, but I was thinking that this was something that was like some super gay dude trying to convince you that everything that everything it's 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 a slippery slope. But this caught ground real fast when your desires, whatever's going through your mind, is all of a sudden criminal. And she's on her way to a job interview. He's just doing his day-to-day work, and he accidentally gets off on the wrong floor of one of the directors of what's going on. And it it does the elevator doors don't immediately close, and he hears what he thinks is someone being attacked, and opens the door to obviously some hardcore sex, but you don't see it. She gets home from her job interview, and uh, the cops are raiding the place, uh, ready to. Her husband's been arrested. They only got married so they could actually have sex and again having to document it and she uh uses her sex working prowess to get away she she is able to get out of the cuffs she blinds one of the cops with the the uh heel end of one of her high heels and she hides in a dumpster and earlier in the in the episode while she's on her way to her job interview she meets her old friend from the dirty mind dirt old friends from the dirty mind and they quickly write her off as a sellout and they hint that their new HQ is in a place they'd never, she'd never think it was. And she finds it and begs them to let her in and strap in. This is going to be good. This is going to be good. (laughs) I'm, I'm really glad I bought this comic book. Um, The artwork was, I want to say a little bit better than the ringside uh, comic book, the wrestling comic book. It's still emotive. It's not, it's not the best. But it definitely tells a tale. The emotions on everyone's face is genuine, which is something I, I always look for. The action scenes are very well done. Even the sex scenes are well done. It's, they're, it, it, they didn't they didn't drop you into a chick getting uh, finger blasted uh, while another girl is rubbing her uh, to entice you. They did it because that's just what these people did. Nothing wrong with it. They're being what they want to do in a controlled controlled environment. And at first, I thought that it was sex for sex sake. But no, this was... I'd give this a solid 7 out of 10. If not a 7.5. Uh, I would definitely I would definitely grab this one just for your archives. 
That's awesome. Yeah, and yeah, I uh, I I saw that it, the problem was I looked at it and I was like immediately turned off by the comments. Agreed. It was just too much because I don't think that the uh, I don't think that the full spectrum of what they're trying to do could be exactly explained in three or four lines. Like you know, I have a long no. line. And, no, you. Yeah, so I'm glad you read it because I honestly was like, I don't know. There's no reason not to. And then I was like, I don't know. I'm just. You, you got to be pulls. The other options just broke me down this week. You know. Right, right. Um, what do you got next? You want to talk about Thanos? 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 Yeah, we could do that. Thanos number six. Uh, by the way, here in a minute, I'll go back and I'll have to tell you guys about the. Uh, uh, before we get uh, really into, dude, like I was really turned off by this comic immediately. It was like great, just some asshole doing some stupid kinky shit for the sake of kink. And no, this was this was good. This is a good. this is a good sexual revolutionary comic book. Yeah, let's. Uh, all right, so a uh, little right, bit. Well, of- uh, let's come back. We'll do a countdown to come back, so you know. So do a time marker. It's, it was an hour. So it's an hour and two minutes at 45 seconds in five, four, three, two, one. Sound sync. Clap. Thanos number six, brother. Take us home. Thanos number six. Uh, Man, all right. I'm glad this is a six-issue mini because I think that people... I'm, I'm liking that, you know? I just wish it was like, okay, hey, this is Thanos Uprising or Thanos, you know, Sanctuary or Thanos No Sanctuary or something like that. I mean, I, it kind of is. But, or, you know, we're going to Moon Knight. We're going to do a Moon Knight 12-issue mini or uh, Jessica Jones or Black Widow or something like that. I like it when we're just like, hey, let's not, pre- let's not generate the pretense that this is going to go on forever. This is a finite story. This is... Not the best Thanos story in the pantheon of Thanos stories. Still good, though. But if... Yeah, I mean, if you're a Thanos character, this, this is a needed, needed... Uh, uh, this is a needed story. Um, Gamora, still a little girl through this whole business. Thanos fighting the Magus. I have to, I have to ask, on, in your opinion... When when Gamora saw death in the first issue, was she seeing death or was she seeing the Magus? I will tell you that the second I read the credits, Sidney Howard writer, Ariel oh, uh, Olivetti artist, Antonio Fabella color artist, VCs Joe Caramagna. Gotta get him on the show. Uh, Deckel cover artist. I think she really did see him. Uh, yeah, or her actually. That makes sense. I think I think that really did happen. If it didn't really happen, the story wouldn't have happened in the first place, and he wouldn't have given two shits about Gamora at all. That's a great she would have, point. Great point. She she would have been uh, fodder, and and never would have would have really happened. the The thing about that thing that really stuck out to me in this particular issue is how. <sighs> Lackluster, the ending of a, of, of a bringing up story of Gamora was. I could have put up for an entire totally. year of, or two years even, <clears throat> of, of six issue story arcs of different periods in Gamora's life from the very beginning when he found her up until where we leave off where she is at at Guardians. 
I could have done two I years know. for that if they would have just kept this going. Because I, I, I never really cared for Gamora. She just was another Guardians, and um, she's been around, and I've never cared for years. But now I care immensely, and, and I want to know more. <laughs> I want more. Like she, you, you see Need her, you see her, her intensifies. Yeah, I mean, she's basically raising baby Magus, and her her prosthetics are vastly improved upon, and she's seeing the ghost of of Thanos. But is this is it the ghost of Thanos because uh, he's just recently been killed and resurrected, or is this a part like is this post this is, in, I get- the Infinity Gauntlet? Uh, where yes. are we? Uh, that is, could she look look at her costume? She is wearing the costume that she had on in Guardians of the Galaxy most recently. So this is taking place uh, after she had the gauntlet, and um, everybody went after her. And I think that she, uh, I don't think she disappeared to this spot. I think this is the place she went to after. Um, after after the gun, uh, after after, after the latest gauntlet to her and settled down. Sorry, what? but but before she was hanging out at Rocket's house, either before or immediately after, or I, I'm not entirely sure that she's parading around with them right now. But they were basically like, "Yeah, everybody's going to find Gamora and kill her." No, because Thanos got resurrected. Uh, the uh, the Black Order brought him back to life, and they fled the scene immediately. And now they're onto the Universal Church of Truth business. So th- I, I just feel like this is a good like uh, placeholder for what's been going on recently and the the telling of Gamora's story as a child. But yeah, I would really rather have seen the story of Gamora and Nebula fighting with one another and developing into this thing. But this is all about the first little Gamora adventure with Thanos. And in the end, what does it really amount to, you know? But it, it, the, 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 the Magus thing was interesting, ultimately. But at the, at the same time, though, how long could you continue a Thanos comic book without focusing on Thanos? Yeah, totally. I'm just saying, ultimately... If this is what we're doing, then the door is still open for a, a Gamora and Nebula, you know, training book or whatever. Something where they operated with the Black Order and developed into, you know, similar but different people and all of that. This is I could, I could totally see that. It's that. a perfect opportunity because I would I would buy it. Um, <clears throat> Yeah. Excuse me, to do an offshoot, uh, uh, keep Thanos going on Thanos' own adventures, but do a, 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 a shoot-off of, of, a shoot of it to show Gamora, or revisit this in a year. Oh, yeah. And, Somebody and, else has definitely got a new Thanos and a new Gamora story and, and, ready to go, and, and all they need is just somebody to let them do it. And give your new hired guns, your writers and your artists, a, a chance to really shine on a comic book that that's worthwhile and and, and meaningful. Because Thanos mm. has always been meaningful, no matter who's done it. I mean, they've had some big guns on it before, but the up and coming guns, uh, that's this is a good opportunity for them to shine if you gave them the opportunity. Yeah. How did you feel for the artwork? 
Um, it was good in some places and not as good in others. And I, I, I want to I mean, see I'm more. I'm through it now, and I'm looking at different spots. I, I want to see more development of Proxima Midnight and and um, um. Oh yeah, God. Um, he's well, all that Black yeah. Order book was so good, and then they canned it really fast. Yeah. That was disappointing. Just do it digital. Fuck it. Just do it digital. Don't print it. Just do it yeah, digital. Whatever. Doesn't have to. Yeah. Whatever's going to save you money and get it out to us. Content. Content. I'll content. give you. Ebony Mall. I'll give you. There. That's a wacky. Thing. Yeah. I'll give you a dollar for a digital comic book. I'll give you, I'll give you a dollar still, for good I'm content. I'm through this thing and just looking at everything. It's so weird, though, because. If this time period made any sense, where they're putting this in the story, the Magus wouldn't look like that, this at all. In the earliest Warlock books, the Magus had this gigantic fro, an afro. Just was so <laughs> ridiculous. That's awesome. Anyway, so this, you know, this looks like a guy that would turn into Adam Warlock. But we we end with uh, Thanos' story may be over, but Gamora's continues in the pages of Guardians of the Galaxy. Here lies Rocket Raccoon, Garden, Guardian No More, uh, oh, yeah. Silver Surfer, Black Mirror Five. Oh yes, give me more. What, what a dude! That is the best book, Silver Surfer Number Five. Oh my god, the artwork is phenomenal. What they're doing it with, gets with better the board. with every issue, every single page. Every single page. I think that I think every issue they're just like, hey, let's take the chains off of this guy. Yep, have some fun, motherfucker. Just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. What do you got next, brother? Um, could jump into Rick and Morty, or I've got the other two. You know, yeah, let's do Rick and Morty here. Rick and Morty number fifty-four. Uh, what what do I say about this wacky ass book? Um, I missed the previous one. This one is uh, Sarah Gatos edited, designed by Angie Knowles. Um, there were two issues or two stories in this one. One was called "Lonely Jerry and the Multidimensional Sales Opportunity Part Two by Tinny Howard, and uh, illustrated by Mark Ellerby, colored by Sarah Stern, and lettered by Crank with an exclamation point. And uh, there was one called "What If Rick Was One of Us," written by. Magdalene Visaggio, illustrated by Ian McGinty, colored by Sarah Stern, and lettered by Crank, with an exclamation point. Um, <laughs> dude, still, this whether you like this show or not, this comic really, really gets what it's uh, supposed to be doing and gets the characterizations and the personalities of the characters. It is drawn appropriately to make all these people look like what they're supposed to look like, and... Um, it doesn't go out on a limb to be over the top or, you know, to be like Ren and Stimpy or something like that. It's just, it's like, no, it needs to look like Rick and Morty and this is what that show looks like. And the voices, you, you could get the, you get the characters' inflections and their voices in the, in the word bubbles because Rick stutters and mumbles and blelps and stuff like that. And, oh my gosh, it's just hilarious. Uh... Really and truly, this was so convoluted. The issue itself was so convoluted because the uh, God, the, the, the vernacular, the dialogue of all of these characters was 
or not the characters, but all of the situation that they're in was so over the top. Basically, Jerry, the dad, uh, Summer, the sister, and Rick are flying through space to go take care of how they, how the, Jerry stole uh, money to pay for a pyramid scheme. But um, <laughs> And he stole Rick's identity to do it. And uh, he's very proud of himself. But then there are all of these ridiculous-looking, crazy-ass aliens working in cubicles at this sh- at this uh, office building in space somewhere. And they're just like us, except that they're aliens. And then they get into a giant shootout with them. And it's just, it gets hilarious because the, uh, the, the lady that runs the place is like, junior executives fall back, <laughs> fall back. Managers to the front, if your sales are under 40% this quarter, be prepared to block the first volley with your bodies. <laughs> it's just like... That's awesome. It's hilarious. Think of Fight Club. Think of the company that he works for. And it's this is the same craziness. It's just like you can't escape how important it is for you to just increase your volume and make money. And even even then, like after the first gunfight, I see some of you have only one or two wounds and could probably be working. That's just it right there. I, I don't know. But, like, you get into the whole... How do I explain this? You get into the whole circumstances of what's going on, and the characters are explaining it to one another about why what Jerry did was wrong and what they're planning on running into, and it is a convoluted mess, and I could see this be done in the cartoon. Like, you'd be sitting there watching it and laughing yourself sick because they're talking about this pyramid scheme corporate structure and how it is wrong and how they can break it down and no one knows what the actual product is and it's just it is this perpetual cycle of bs and uh they just go on and on and on with that through the whole issue until they finally get to the idea of these characters getting killed and then transmuted into something where they can join the uh they can join home because the ultimate goal is for everybody to be working from home but that means you have to die to join home and home is an entity that is composed of all of these dead characters. And it's just like, when you get to that point, it's like, wow, there was a, there was a meaning to all of this, ultimately. But then, you know, they go back to the house, and everybody picks on Morty just like they would. And then they get into this whole BS with this other story, uh, where ultimately, and it's supposed to be a riff on uh, Star Trek V, where they go in search of God. When they find God, God is Rick, and uh, I, somehow I just can't see that being the case. So that was a very short... The second story was not so in, 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 like, intelligent, I guess. I'm not going to say it was intellectual. But uh, in the end, I don't know. Like I, I would keep picking these up because they're, they're entertaining, they're fun, they're ridiculous, and they are. They've got the, ta- they, they've got the flavor of the show very well figured. You've uh, you're reminding me of what it's like to buy old school bongo comics from The Simpsons. They weren't always good, but they were <laughs> they were always uh, entertaining. Especially the Free Comic Book Day bongo one. Uh, there was always there would always be something there that was worth it. Wasn't there a bongo comic? Remember when they did the uh, when they turned Seven Elevens in particular locations into quickie marts? Yep. I think we went and got some free slushies or whatever they are, and got like free comic books. And I, I'm sure they were Bongo comics. Were you in L.A.? 
Yeah, it was, well, there was one in Burbank that was in on Olive, uh, down by. Uh, oh, I can't remember the name of that restaurant, but it's kind of like a staple of Burbank. Um, I don't know; it'll come to me later. It was down by Lens Crafters. There was a Lens Crafters there. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we went and we did that. I got some pictures taken of me and the comic book guy reading comics out front, and. Uh, there was an Apu inside and whatever the slushy is. I don't know. I quit watching that. Squishy. Show. squishy they're called squishies. Squishy? Yeah, they're called squishies. Oh. Unseemly. What else you got? What's next? Let's see. What do we what do we have planned here? I don't think I have much left. We've talked a lot about I got two a books. lot of things real fast. Um What do you got next? Uh, dude, let's do this Exo Squad, man. Tell me. How many times have I talked about how good Exo Squad is? All the time. What an amazing toy brand by Playmates! What an amazing uh, TV series it was. Exo Squad. If you have, just like it sounds, if you have never heard of this, check it the freak out. Get online, look at some YouTube. I think that the entire series is available to watch on YouTube, like, ripped, but you should, and I'm not saying you should do that, I'm saying you should go out and find DVDs of it if you can, because it's totally worth owning. This is a, this is on par with Robotech, or Macross. Oh. If you have seen any of that, I mean, it's the same thing. It's basically Mecha versus some kind of implacable alien force. But, in this series, um... It's the future. At some point or another, we started colonizing Mars and Venus, but because the environment was so harsh, we developed Neo-Sapiens, who eventually rebelled against us, and it's been 50 years since then. And the Neo-Sapiens, their life circumstances haven't changed very much. They're still mining. They're still doing labor. And um, <clears throat> However, the Exo-Fleet still exists, and uh, because we needed something that would make us equal to the Neo-Sapiens, we developed exo-frames. So think of, like, the power loader in Aliens that Ripley comes out with to fight the alien. That's more or less kind of... You have all these different types of E-frames that you can wear and pilot that do different things, and they were a great toy line. The action figures were cool. Uh, they, uh, They plug into the back of the thing, and then they all had their own weapons, so you could get them out of their little things and run them around and stuff like that. You could trade guys into different vehicles, and, man, I had a lot of it. I probably had 60 plus percent of what was available, minus like the Y-Wing and some of the other stuff that we were into. But, um, yeah, so the comic book, this is an issue zero. It's by Topps Comics. It is actually written by Len Wein. Very Joe nice. Staten is the penciler. Yeah. Uh, Joe Staten is the penciler. Bill Anderson is the anchor. Carl Gafford was the colorer. Ben K. Joyce is the letterer. Michael Golden did the cover. And the cover is extreme 90s type stuff because that's when this TV <laughs> show was on. I love shit um, that's extreme. Yeah. This is virtually just like, hey, here's everything. It's just like it's a big gatefold not a gatefold cover but it is a wraparound cover and it is like here is a depiction of all of the cast of characters in action doing something and they're all crammed in there into this tiny space and it freaking works but 
this issue is basically a comic book version of the first episode of the series. And in some ways it is word for word, but there's a lot more. I went ahead and I threw on the last ep- or the first episode to watch last night. And uh, in 20 minutes, I was like, this is virtually the same thing. So if you've seen the series, you don't need this book. I'm not going to say rush out and try to find this. But, uh, you know, hey, if you're into Len Wein, this is one of those little gems. The art is awesome. It is, of course, taken from probably storyboards or screenshots or a paused VHS cassette from when this was made. Uh, and um, the characterizations are fantastic. It's kind of like reading an old Marvel G.I. Joe, really. Uh, there is, There are so many characters... They each have a moment to introduce them to you as the reader and to show you something about what their E-frames can do and just ingratiate you into the situation. And then the last couple of pages are totally badass because there are files on every character. And it's like, you know, here's what their rank is, we're talking, where they're from. We're talking stats. What they do. Oh, God, I love me some stats. Not stats. It's not stats. It's like... Lieutenant J.T. Marsh, leader of Exo Squad, hometown, Amaron, the orbital city of North America, personal motto, in chaos equals opportunity. J.T. Marsh is a natural-born rebel and hero. From the moment he was, he learned that he, Neo-Sapiens, had conquered Earth, he and the other mankind, homeworlds of Mars and Venus, he knew he had to do something to help, blah, 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 blah. Every, it's a personality profile of each freaking character, even the bad guys, uh... God, it's just, man, it's just, this is a great introduction to, um, to the whole thing, to all of the, to all of it. And I can't tell if this came in some kind of like, you can't, this just, just, this is only a dollar. This could have been a free comic book day. I, I don't know when this came out, but for only a dollar back then, that was kind of something, but it is very, very thin. It's a really slim book. It's interesting that you can cram that much content into something that is half the size of most of the books that we talk about every week. And uh, there's more content here than there is in something that's ultimately extremely well-established. I'm going to see if I can figure out why this was a promotional or what, because I can't imagine buying something this small, this thin from back then. What have you got, man? Uh, I've got some honorable mentions to go through. Right on. Uh, Avengers number 24 versus Cosmic Ghost Rider. Johnny Blaze, for some reason, is intent on sitting on the throne of hell that is uh, vacant and having a race with all with the Ghost Riders that he's all defeated, but he's only really going against the newest Ghost Rider. And Cosmic Ghost Rider shows up from mm-hmm. the future and has a little bit of knockdown drag out, of course, before they realize we're on the same side with the Avengers. Wonder Woman number 79 uh, Aftermath of the Death of the Goddess of Love That one, it was was good But not worth really going through it Shazam number 7 A little lost on it, but it's a lot of fun Um, What else have we got here there? (laughs) Looney Tunes number 251 was fucking hilarious Uh, (laughs) It was hilarious Miles Morales, Absolute Corners number 2 We don't know, is he really dead? Is he... He's part of the uh, Carnage Collective now. Batman and Superman number two. The Shazam that laughs. Uh, 
really done with this Batman that laughs thing that's going on here. Yeah. And, uh, not that happy of it. White Trees is one of my main choices a couple weeks ago. Number two, that one was great, but if you're not reading it, you sh- you're really missing out. Um, I guess I'm going to go into my pick of the pick of the the week. I can't believe that this is my pick. Harlene number one. What Har- Harlene? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is a DC Black Label, very adult. Now. Put in perspective, Colin and I, you, my best friend, have had a struggle between the pop culture enthusiasts that ruin shit with their yeah. bullsh- bullshit mashup cosplay and their um, strikingly <laughs> their their minds are strikingly devoid of true comic book knowledge. That say they like comics, but they can't tell you the last time they bought a comic book. Uh, which isn't really a, yeah. a card-carrying thing to do, but don't tell me you like comics and you don't read them. Like, just don't do it. You, 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 if you like comics, you're fine. I'm not shaming you for not reading comic books, but don't tell me you like comics you don't fucking read them. Like, the, the, the same way, don't tell me that you're a wrestling fan you don't keep up with the product. <laughs> you're you're, you're going to tell us that, that you are an expert, but you don't. You don't watch the product. <coughs> when was the last time you watched New Japan? When was the last time you watched Impact? When was the last time you Bring Your Honor? When was the last time you find LW? Like, uh, and, and you're saying no to me, I've got a problem. This one, in, in that vein, is why I have tuned out completely from Harley Quinn. It's it's just bullshit. It, I, 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 it's, it's silly. It's the DC version of it's, Deadpool. It's silly bullshit. And, and jokes that that go nowhere, that land flat. But this was something that needs to be studied. Book one, Harleen, Black Label. Stefan uh, Sejik, story, story and arc, Gabriella Downey, letters, and Stefan Sejik, cover and variant cover, Harley Quinn created by Paul Dini and Bruce Temp. We've never really gotten a full glimpse into the madness of what is... Harley Quinn. Uh, actually, Harlene Quinzel. She's having nightmares. And the large format grants a better a better palette to display things. This is all digital. Uh, from far away, from what you're reading it at, when you're looking at it, I mean, it, it, it's great. It's digital, great inkings, but if you zoom in, it's pretty sloppy. Pretty sloppy inking. Uh, I'm not sure if that's part of the uh, ethos to it, but from far away, from what you're looking at, it looks great, but if you zoom in, it's pretty sloppy digital inking, which is fine. Uh, Harley, Harleen, is, she's fresh out of school. She is doing her best to do the best she can as a student and try to make a name for herself, and she has an actual uh, theory, and this is where it hooked me, where she's giving a presentation to try to win some sort of funding from her idea is that, uh, uh, she says, uh, with my point, is with a thorough comparative study of inmates of Arkham Asylum and Blackgate Prison in partnership with the Gotham Police Department, we could develop a method for detecting stages of deteriorating empathy. This is her idea, and this is the, the, the meat and potatoes, is that Har- Harleen has an idea that deteriorating empathy can lead to sociopathic 
sociopathic tendencies and we can identify these things and help cure people because she really does want to help people. The problem is, is that she's fresh out of school. She's got a really bad rep for her. The reason she's called Harley is because she got caught fucking one of her professors. And she's doing really well for herself, but her colleagues, they all, a lot of them have gone to school with her, and they call her Harley because um, she's a Harley Davidson. Everyone's gotten to write her. But that's not true. She's not oh, like that. Wow. She, she She's devoted to her work. She just made a mistake and, and slept with the wrong guy and got caught. And she's determined that her idea is not getting she's done she's not getting any funding the, the people that she wanted to pay attention to her in the seminar have left and she's having a couple of drinks with her friend and her friend tells her you know the stars are going to take care of you and she goes out and you know ah, maybe they were maybe they weren't but there's a, she encounters the joker for the first time uh he's in the middle of one of his capers and he holds, holds her at gunpoint and she's scared shitless of him she she witnesses a knockdown drag out with the batman and she has endless nightmares about this man. She's scared about Batman, about Batman okay. and, and about the, and especially about the Joker. She's going to work. She's being ostracized, and she shows up and gets pulled into her boss's office. And it turns out that Lucius Fox is there representing Wayne Tech, and is going to fund her idea because they want they want the results of whether or not this works or not. They're going to give her the money. And, oh, okay. And they're also give, granting her access into Arkham. Now, the foreshadowing in this is subtle and then also not so subtle. She's walking in through the gates of, of Arkham, and she's got a smile on her face. She's sleepless. She's still having a lot of nightmares. But the shadow behind her, as you see, or the Arkham shadow, the, the, the logo, uh, she's walking through the gates. Uh, you see the shadow of actual Harley Quinn holding her mallet. And she's given her casework, and they're questioning her why she's there. Uh, she's getting the, the real hardcore, we don't want you here, but you're here because we can't help it. And right then they're willing the Joker in, and she was not prepared for that. Hugo Strange, MD, uh, head of Arkham, grills her, says, I don't care for you. I don't care for you. I don't care for your work. I think that what you're doing is detrimental to what we, we represent here. But welcome to Arkham. And she starts studying the inmates one by one. Killer Croc, Poison Ivy, Mr. Zaz, um, the Riddler. And none of them are really affecting her, except she's just having, still having trouble sleeping. And as she's having trouble sleeping, she's more and more focused about the one file she hasn't touched yet, the Jokers. And it's, she starts drinking, she starts popping pills, and finally she decides, okay, fuck it, let's do this. She's studying his God, tapes. All of this is in this one issue. Oh, dude, there is... Let's see how many pages there is. Oh, wow. 65 pages. Oh, no wonder. Wow, okay. She is struggling, and finally she says, fuck it, let's, 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 let's talk Joker. She studies the tapes uh, before she is able to actually meet the Joker one-on-one for a session. Harley Dent pulls, him, pulls her aside and says what you're doing is wrong uh all you're gonna do is cause more trouble for me as a lawyer that you if you prove what you're trying to prove you're just it's just gonna go down in the books and and all these assholes are gonna go free because they don't have a lack of they have a lack of fucking empathy and what really matters is this coin this two-sided coin which was given to me (laughs) which was given to me by the victim of of 
uh, a very prominent killer, and it's a joke. It's a double-sided coin, and she puts him in his place. Find a better fucking coin. And it's told from the perspective is from Harley from uh, I don't know how many years in the future yet, but as she's walking away from from Harvey Dent, you see them sitting there. He's still sitting. She's walking away to the left. You see Two Face to the right. You see Harley. It's kind of funny. All of our big words and moralizing, and yet within five months we would both become murderers. And she has her face to face with uh, the Joker and. This this initial little bit, because she's seen all those videos where he's been lying to people. This is my origin. I was a mobster. I was working with this guy, or I was a field comedian. They go through the whole gamut. He's kind of a pretty boy in this. Uh, I'd like him to be a little bit more dirty, a little bit more scarred up for him just to be the pretty boy Brad Pitt Joker. Uh, it's really my only real big gripe about this. And... He looks at her and says, hmm, you know, funny thing about getting your head slammed in a wall repeatedly, it does a number on your memory. Then again, electric therapy really hasn't done much to help with that either, and she's just looking at him. What I mean is, you look like someone I've met, but not entirely. It's like something is, and then he slams against the, the glass, missing, and then she just freezes in terror. He's like, there you are. I knew you seemed familiar. You were just lacking that terror in your eyes. He recognized her, but it wasn't until she got scared and frozen stiff that he fully recognized that she was the girl in that alley that night. And he tells her, yeah, you know, the, the joke is, it's a joke. It's all about uh, theatrics. It's all about me entertaining myself. And she flashes back on one of his tapes, and he says, I prefer those lies, the illusions, a bit of makeup, and a whole lot of theatricality. Stories, then. Monster stories? I'm interested in those. And he says, you're in the right place. Very well, Mr. Joker. Now, how about you tell me about a story of Gotham, the city of monsters? Well, please, Doctor, call me Jay. And she freezes, and she says, very well, Mr. Jay. And what a great way to introduce that silly line from the the cartoon. But this is night and day... From what Harley has been portrayed as, as uh, Amanda Connor and Palmati have been doing, uh, I mean, it's just uh, it's a silly fodder. Oh, she's got a puppy now. Ooh, I'm bashing someone in the head with a mallet, and you're gonna buy my T-shirt and cosplay as me, and and wish you had the same relationship me and Mister J have. No, this is a smart, perfect, perfect, beautiful disaster. <laughs> just. <laughs> It's a perfect storm. That's what they're portraying here, and she's not some dummy. She's not some slut. She's not some trick that's a serial killer obsessed chick that's riding into Ted Bunny and trying to marry uh, Manson. Or uh, no, she's put together. And yeah. the 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 key to this, the key, the real meat and potatoes here, is her fear. It was the fear of the Joker. That really pulled her in. How many times... Uh, this has happened to me before. Have you ever had a really knockdown, drag-out, killer bit of a fling with someone you just fucking hated? Um, like, you hated each other first. You hated... Like, I, I'm, I'll bring up... I'll bring up... I no. hated that bitch. I hated that bitch at first, man. She was a shithead to me. And the next thing I know, we're having shots. And the next thing out. I know... Uh, 
Right. But you get what I'm saying. Yeah. You get what I'm saying. I know what you're talking about. Yes, I have I have I have met with that situation. I know what you're talking about. Well this one blossomed into a uh, awful situation that's we're gonna be stuck with for pretty much forever now that she's in fully integrated. Which is fine. But I'm glad that her I feel like this is her weapon X. I feel like I feel like this is her story the way that uh, Barry Windsor Smith told Weapon X that Stajevon uh, Tajek uh, is telling her as Weapon X in a fully adult story with no bullshit silliness. No mm. bullshit pop culture. There's no, there's, there's no cosplay that can be pulled from this. I mean, if you want to, fine. But this one... I it's got high hopes and this is my pick of the week and I really hope that they don't fuck it up or it gets too good and they you know because remember when they first started Black Label they accidentally showed the silhouette of the uh, the bat penis and then that's all it was about and I think that's all people think about see see Black Label and I, I don't want that to happen to this 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 is meat and potatoes this is and and what a it, what a great way to integrate. Yeah, she she made a mistake, and she's paying for it. And now everyone thinks that the reason she's a successful uh, psychiatrist is because she banged the right guy, and now they're calling her Harley because of that reason. What a great way to in- introduce that that idea. I hope I hope they I hope they run with it. I hope it's it, in the mainstream uh, DC that they kind of hit in it, but because they can't the way they're doing here. But what do you think, man? Dude, anything that lends credibility to a character that has been this messed, just like messed about for so long. I mean, we're all, can, when, when are we going to get something where we can take Deadpool seriously? When are we going to take some, when are we going to get something that where, where we can look at, uh, well, well, with Deadpool, we we do have something we can take Deadpool seriously. That Daniel Way series before it really, I'm glad that took off. But now it's it's like it's like the backwards effect with Harley. Like Deadpool was serious mm-hmm. at first, and then it got silly, and then this one was silly, and now it's getting into something worthwhile. I just wish they'd made the Joker a little bit more less hunky. He's he's hunky the way that uh, Ed Norton would have been in Fight Club if he had longer hair that was a little bit wetter. <laughs> All right, but not Jared ex- Leto, huh? No, he's in Express. He's definitely in Express clothes, and there's not a scar on his face. And it's I've seen some previews of what they're gonna do, what he does to her. I don't know. I. I I've got hopes, high hopes for this, man. Uh, but that's what I got, man. Cool. Yeah, the last thing I've got is uh, this DC book from 1987, Who's Who in Star Trek, issue oh, number two. Oh, There's, They made a whole ton of these, you know? Who's Who in Star Trek, or Who's Who in whatever, you know, the Justice League or Superman comics or something like that. I mean, they made loads of Who's Who books back then. This is just... It's just so beautiful. I mean, like the first cover, the fir- the cover is uh, definitely drawn and 
you got your characters in front of a what I would probably say if I see the issue. Oh, it is a wraparound cover, so the stuff that's on the back. You've got Telosians and different uh, different characters from the movies, and then like cross sections of stuff. And there are all of these different starships that look fantastic back there. Probably marker, in fact. Uh, but I mean, you open it up immediately, and you you're going through and seeing these comic illustrations of characters from the original series uh, in their character, in their uniform, and you're seeing situations that they encountered, like the Mirror Universe. Uh, and this this book starts at M and goes to V. I don't know why there are any Zs. There are plenty of Z-related characters, Z-lettered characters. But, um, Excuse me. Each character, it's it's an encyclopedia, basically. Each character has a really nice illustration uh, of them. It's not just some image pulled immediately from an existing book. Some of them are really neat. Like, I'm looking at the uh, Christopher Pike one, and so there's one full color of him standing there looking like a badass. And then there are three, like, uh, green-toned... Images of Vina and the Telosian, or some of the things that he saw while he was dealing with the Telosians, or Number One and Spock, or whatever. And then you go into, uh, you just, you know, just they're they're well depicted. That's what I'm saying. And then there's there's information about the characters, summarizations of them from the movie or the episode they came from, and also their appearances in the DC comic that was ongoing at the time. And it was quite good. And, I mean, the thing that I really dig about that comic was that it paid attention to the way the uniforms were supposed to look. Even if the characters didn't always act properly. I mean, you'd get, like, oh, I know what Kirk and Scotty act like and Bones and Sulu. But, like, you'd have some other Starfleet personnel who were just over the top. And it was like, okay, well, this this doesn't make anybody look good necessarily, but... You know, I don't know. These things were just cool when they came out. I had a buddy that told me when he first encountered a Who's Who book, he thought that was what new comics were like. It wasn't about a story anymore. It was about characters. Because that was the first thing he'd ever seen. And then he eventually got other comics, and he was like, okay, well, this is what I expected. But, like, so he just, it's just funny that he misinterpreted it that way based around something, because I remember he saw, like, a, maybe it was an official handbook of the Marvel Universe, and he was like, the Vision, what's this guy's thing? And he's got the diamond on his chest and the thing in his forehead and stuff like that. It's just, you know, it's funny to think about that, I guess. But, uh, I mean, yeah, these are just awesome. It's chock full of information, and I think it's entertaining because it's, like I say, appearances in movies, appearances in episodes, but then what's been going on since we got the license? And uh, so you might have Kevin Riley or you might have Gary Mitchell or something like that. But, hey, blah, 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 this is what happened in that one episode, that one appearance. But here we go. Here's our thing. Yeah, these are great. They're totally worth picking up. I think it's funny that the uh, cover price was a buck fifty, and I got it for a dollar all these years later. But this is a beat-up copy anyways. This is a definitely something that some kid had in their room and it got dinged up and it was shoved under the bed. And, and, and But now it's yours. Story. Now it's yours. Now I got it, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I've got it and I'm going to find an issue number one. <laughs> but yeah, that's my material this week. Well, 
Wow, that was we we really found some meat and potatoes, man. And I know we say it all the time. But it's yeah. one of our catchphrases, but like, there's nothing better than getting like, a, a satisfying dinner. Oh, uh, dude! So uh, yesterday, I uh, I bought those chicken breasts, and I'm walking away from the butcher area, and I see the all the pickles, and I'm like, "Yep." Went and bought like some brand X pickles for like a dollar fifty. Soaked those brand chick- X chicken, yeah, yeah just dollar fifty. Soaked those chicken breasts mm-hmm. uh, all day long. Grilled them up. With some uh, fresh uh, uh, green and white jalapenos, romaine lettuce. I uh, mixed a uh, horseradish mustard with some mayo. Um, Dude, I'm hungry right now. Come on, you're killing me. And uh, uh, fried up some fries on the on the grill. And man, mm. goddamn, that was good. Like Chick Fil A know, knows what awesome. they're doing. Yeah, I, I did a good job yesterday. I was trying to cook dinner tonight, and I got away from it and ended up reheating some stuff I made for my boy the other day when I had him over here. That was pretty fun, but uh, it was not nearly enough. I'm going to have to have a snack. Uh, man. Uh, I just want to take a second and say that uh, I didn't get into the um, credits on Dark Shadows earlier. Uh, two writers, David Campiti and uh, Sam Rock or Scott Rockwell, Pencilers, Anchor and color was E. Silas Smith. And apparently this might be one of the only things he ever worked on. Um, Letter, Vicki Williams. And uh, I have to say, the artwork is just incredible. I'm, I'm going over the, uh, I'm going over the uh, World Wide Web's trying to find out what happened to this character, this guy. Um, he seems to have only worked on this and one other thing. And... Uh, that was also another licensed property. I'm trying to remember what it was. I can't. Oh, I can control and click that link and see if it'll pop up. This is beautiful. What I've been doing is. Uh, oh, there it is. He also did Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, the uh, comic book adaptation of Cadillacs and Dinosaurs number nine. But after that, the only uh, only other thing I've seen him do is this uh, book, just book one of Dark Shadows. So. When we get into the other ones, I wonder what uh, the artwork is going to look like. But, um, yeah. I want to give a shout-out to where I picked these books up at uh, Shadow Mountain Comics in Tulsa. They are... Uh, I, I complained initially some time ago, like, what is up with their hours? You know, they're open from 4 to 8 on weekdays. And they're open on uh, Saturday from 10 to 6 and noon to 6 on Sunday. I was like, who's open from 4 to 8? What's that all about? Well, these guys have regular jobs. They both own car lots, their own car lot. One guy owns a car lot. The other guy owns a car lot. Nick and Chris over there at Shadow Mountain Comics. Address is 6125 South Sheridan Road, Suite C in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And, uh, yeah, that place is amazing. They have, so, the, they have an enormous collection of high value, high quality, uh, graded and non-graded key issue, Silver Age, Bronze Age books. Uh, the just it is the color. The, the the colors were fantastic on these covers. I didn't like look at any of the interiors or anything, but I'm saying like if you want to go pick up something for uh, what it's worth. At various grades, I'm going to say that is a place to go check that out. Uh, under no, I'm, not, I'm not being paid to say this. I'm not being, you know, I just told them, hey, I've got a podcast and blah, 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 and I'll, tell, I'll, I'll make sure everybody knows you exist. Um, if you happen to be in the Tulsa area and you, 
you're wanting to know where to go check things out, of course, you can use Google Maps. But, you know, get a hold of us on our email. We'll tell you where to go. And uh, this is definitely a place I'd check out. And hopefully you can hit it up during their uh, abnormal business hours. But um, definitely worth going to check. Go see. Are we dangerous? That's what I got, buddy. We are dangerous. We're quite dangerous. Danger's not my middle name, but uh, danger's how I get my fame. This has been a kick-ass episode, man. We can't wait for y'all to hear it. <laughs> it has. I hope you guys had a good time listening to it, you MFers. Big ass to lead us MFers, out, send us some emails. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. Out. Over and out.